This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics in Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hello, and welcome to The Great Indoors, the podcast that reveals everything you ever wanted to know about interiors and explains how to make that knowledge really work for you in your home. Somehow we're already on episode five of this, which means that we've just got one more in this series. But the brilliant news is there will be another series in the new year. So make sure you subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Acast, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And that way you won't miss it when it comes. As ever, thanks to DFS for sponsoring this podcast. DFS boasts its own dedicated design studio, where a talented team of designers scouts the latest interior trends to create DFS's range of comfortable and stylish sofas. Now, the last episode was our live edition which I found a mix of completely terrifying and quite fun. How did you find it, Sophie? <laughs> well, you know, put me in a room with 50 people all staring at me and I love it, Obs. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had quite a, we had quite a little audience, didn't we? We did have quite a few audience people, yes. But today we're once again a deux and in a different location this time. We're at our producer Kate's flat, which is actually a cue for Sophie to tell you all what we're going to be talking about today. Well, we're at Kate's flat because Kate is a renter and we are going to be discussing how to make the most of your rented pad in this episode. Also, we're going to be discussing top tips for Christmas gifts because, yep, time is nigh. And then finally, let's get those guest bedrooms in ship shape order ready for all our visitors over the Christmas season. So first up, I'm really excited to talk about this topic because it's something that I get asked about a lot is how to put your own personal stamp on your rented pad. Because if you are renting, there are obvious decorating restrictions on how much you can do and how you can update your space and put your own personal stamp on it. And actually more and more people are living in rented accommodation. I found these statistics on the BBC saying that up to a third of young people face living in private rented accommodation all their lives. And 40% of millennials, which just to clear that up, is those born between 1980 and 1996, uh, 40% of them will be living in rented houses by the age of 30. That's twice as many as Generation X, those born between 1965 and 1980. That's me. So yeah, so it is a growing area, isn't it? And I think my sort of broad stroke rule of thumb is invest on stuff that you can actually take away with you. Rugs, artwork, soft furnishings like cushions, curtains, bed linen. And you can actually make a really big impact 
with those sort of things. It's no surprise that I'm going to say go really bold on the colour with those things. <laughs> you know, if you're I've in... I've never heard you say that, Sophie. Interesting. If you're in a magnolia box and you're not allowed to paint, for example, then a really bright rug on the floor, a really fabulous piece of artwork on the, on the wall. To just come back to that previous point about decorating... Always ask the landlord. I mean, I don't hope Kate won't mind me saying I just um, popped to her bathroom before we started recording, and the paint job in there is is a bit shocking, frankly. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's, sorry, it's, Kate. She's been very quiet. She, she, <laughs> I can say that because I'm pretty sure she didn't paint it, um, and it's it's quite a vibrant shade of yellow, which you would Did probably you paint love. It? No, no. Okay. Phew. But there's splatters <laughs> of paint, yellow paint, all over the woodwork. So it's not been particularly well done. And it's quite a, a strong colour. I can't imagine that a landlord would object if you said, do you know what? I will do the work. If you're I will paint it. But yes, can I paint it in a shade that suits me better or just improve on what you've done? So so always ask because, you know, it costs nothing to ask and the worst you'll get is a no. But you may be pleasantly surprised and always emphasise the, this will be an improvement for you and it's free work. So I suppose landlords are worried about you perhaps putting too much of your personality on a place and therefore it's going to make it harder for them to rent to a different tenant. So it's good to think about either asking if you can paint and repaint it back to Magnolia or whatever yeah. it is when you leave, or what about these um, removable wallpapers? You heard about them? She's stolen my line again. <laughs> I um, got in first. She did. <laughs> I was going to say, but that seems to be a much bigger thing in America, but it's worth looking and potentially just checking if you're buying from an American place, if they will ship over here. There's something else I came across recently called Haru Tape. H-A-R-U, and it's called, the tagline is stuck on design. I think it's Japanese, but it's like, comes in different widths. So it's like thin tape or wide masking tape, and you can buy a box of different colours. And you can stick that on the wall in any patterns or colours you want and different widths. So you could create stripes, you could create triangles, and it will peel off without affecting the paint. So I thought that was a brilliant idea. So that I saw that actually during London Design Week. I saw that installation. That's and they when were it was creating launched. creating really bold, very graphic, quite linear patterns. Yeah. But you're literally taking, I mean, it's quite, it's like child play, isn't it? You're yeah. taking lots of different coloured tape in different widths to either create stripes or something with more artistic And I flair. think you can get patterned ones, spotty ones and stripy ones and blocks of colour. And I thought that was a great idea, as well as decals, decals, I don't know how you I say I was going to say wall stickers. Wall stickers yeah. are brilliant. And they're not just for kids. Um, you, you can get, get quite sophisticated ones, really sophisticated ones. You can get big ones that are like murals that you can stick on and peel off. So there are things you can do. I've got a little tip about how to get them off as well, because sometimes they can be a bit naughty and peel the paint off. If you warm them up with a hairdryer, it softens oh, the glue interesting. and yes. they come off much easier. And also how just go that? slowly because you've that? pulled all the paint off. No, because I used to uh, I used to be a rally driver. I, I beg your to, pardon. I used to be a rally driver and we used to have to stick loads of stickers on the car, obviously for events like door numbers and things. And I always used a hairdryer to get my door decals off at the end of a race. I can't speak glue. now. That's <laughs> so <laughs> unbelievably glamorous. <laughs> rally driver I can barely drive life. from one end of the road to the other you can google it so how fabulous you'll come up with all kinds of interesting um articles. the other thing is moving on from <laughs> rally driving who knew i think there's a whole new podcast in there. can i just before we move on yes backtrack a little bit about wallpaper sticking on furniture 
is a really good idea. Yeah. So you might have some flat pack wardrobes that are quite flat fronted and faceless. You could apply wallpaper onto that and then protect it with a varnish or even like on sideboards and sort of drinks cabinets. You can get your pattern in the furniture rather than just on the walls. And the other thing I was going to say, and maybe again this exists or maybe I've just given away a brilliant idea. I don't understand on the peel and stick wallpaper, I haven't found any plain colours. And I would have thought, you know, not everybody wants pattern, Sophie, calm yourself. Some of us like it plainer. But wouldn't it surely be a great idea that you could buy a roll of peel and stick wallpaper in you know, various colour shades that Little Green might do or Farrow and Ball might do. So literally just for a block of colour? Just for a block of colour. I thought that might be an interesting idea and I haven't seen it. Well, this is a clever way of getting around the whole sticky wallpaper thing. Uh, Joe Black 22 got in touch with me on Instagram and says, I couldn't afford removable wallpaper, probably because it was being shipped from America. Anyway, so she said, so bought normal wallpaper, then covered the wall with masking tape, then double-sided sticky tape. Worked a dream but it did take forever. (laughs) That's very clever, actually, though. I mean, if you've got the time having a go at it. Um, Changing furniture is is one of the issues, isn't it? You need furniture you can take with you. And everybody always, you know, trolls off to Ikea because there's lots of cheap furniture and it's flat pack assembly. But I don't know about you, but I've always found once I've built that Ikea furniture, I can't get it apart again. (laughs) So you can't necessarily take it from place to place because you can't... It doesn't travel well, It doesn't travel. So... For something that's a little bit more high-end cost-wise but might be worth considering is heels have a range of furniture which is designed with renters in mind. So it comes flat pack and you build it, but it's all done with proper screws and joins so that you can take it apart, make it flat and travel to the new place. And so it's a little bit more expensive, obviously, but you can take it apart and move it to another place. That's a really brilliant idea. And actually having that heels tag on it too makes it very resellable. Yeah. If you did want to get rid of it on eBay, you always get a premium for and it's any designer brands like that. Um, there is one thing I was going to talk about. I've been sent a book by Joanna Thornhill. Um, it's a reissue of a book she wrote a couple of years ago, actually, when it was called Home for Now. And it's now called Insta Style for Your Living Space, which I think the title might make you think it's about Instagram and it, it totally isn't. It does. It's yeah. a slightly strange title, but it's absolutely full of things for people who might be living in temporary accommodation. So they're renting or they're first time buyers. And it's absolutely full of really clever ideas. She's got instructions there for how to reupholster a chair without doing any sewing. Um, well, this is was, all fascinating stuff, isn't it? For so all of us, clever. not just people exactly. renting. Thrifty ideas. Thrifty ideas. So, And she talks about how to make loose covers for your rental furniture, which does involve sewing, but also, you know, stapling bits of material to a cheap chair you might have bought to upcycle it, for want of a better word. But as I flick through, she's got an old drawer here, which she shows you how to put shelves in and turn it into a display cabinet. There's lots of really clever ideas. Well, I think you've hit on something really big there, is is display, isn't it? And I think that's a real way that you can personalise your home. If you can't put your stamp on investing in new kitchen cabinets or, you know, designer wallpapers or whatever, it's displaying the things that you already own. And it's creating gallery walls of pictures even pictures of holidays or but how are you going to stick them to the wall well here's oh, another one I've of my cued little you in yeah <laughs> well no there's this brilliant I mean I kind of knew about them anyway because I funnily enough they're a stylist best friend as well they're but, called um command strips 
Just Google them. They're on Amazon. They sell them everywhere, like, you know, DIY stores. And they're essentially like little sticky hooks that you stick to the wall and then cleverly they have like a little release system. It's Velcro for the wall. Well, they can be Velcro. They're sometimes just sticky pads. Right. They've either got a Velcro system or a sticky pad system. And actually, and they usually put the weight of the picture that you can hang on them and you can get some pretty hefty, you know, mirrors and all sorts up with them. Actually, they're incredibly strong and effective. Um, I tried them on a wallpapered wall once, didn't work so well. So usually a painted surface I think the key is they will hang pictures and... You have to take them off right, though. So, I mean, I'm always charging into things like a bullet a gate and don't read the instructions. Do read the instructions for getting those off the wall because it's if you pull it off wrong, you will take the paint off. But if you do it carefully, do what it says on the packet, yeah. you will be fine. And that's a brilliant idea. Actually, that's why I think Joanna's book is very clever because she's an interior stylist. So she's used to going into places and having to change them superficially and quickly with lots of sort of tips and tricks. What, to that, get them sort of photo shoot to ready? To get them photo shoot ready. So what I would say from that is do follow her and other interior stylists on Instagram because they know lots of ways to make high impact changes that are temporary or don't cause any change to the structure of the room that they're in. Coming up very soon, we are planning the guest bedroom and, of course, slipping in a few cheeky design crimes too. I so enjoyed how the audience got stuck into the design crimes at the live edition, and we'd love to hear more of yours. But we'd also like to ask you to let us know of anything else that you'd like us to talk about in the next series. So do get in touch with us across our social media, particularly Instagram, where I'm Sophie Robinson Interiors and she's Mad About the House. And if you haven't already, do please subscribe, rate and review The Great Indoors on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, because it really helps us to get noticed and spread the word. Okay, but now it's less than a month to go until Christmas. It's time. I know, and I'm slightly in denial because I've just been madly trying to decorate my house in time to receive guests for Christmas. So I haven't really thought about it. So Kate, let's start feeling, you've you've got to help me get on board with this whole thing now. Well, like I never do it until the week before. Oh, really? You're Although, not a planner? Well, I'm, I, I like a list. It doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to act on it until the last minute. But for me, Christmas is all about the anticipation. I actually really enjoy December and Christmas Eve is one of my favourite evenings of the year. I love that sort of glass of wine, wrapping Oh, surprise, presents. surprise. <laughs> What do you mean? It's an everyday Christmas I'm a Eve cup for you. Of tea. Yes, I live every day like it was Christmas. Um, but wrapping presents and mm. and having a really nice supper and that feeling of anticipation, I love that. And then I'm invariably a bit cross on Christmas Day because of the anticlimax, or it never quite lives up to what I want it to be. I'm all about the build up, me. Yeah, that's the bit I like. So I do enjoy shopping for presents and I like 
I like wrapping things. I, I've often done themed wrapping paper. Oh, yes, I love a bit of themed wrapping. <laughs> oh, one year I made my husband, his presents were all wrapped up to be a gigantic snowman. And I sent off a huge, um, from eBay, sort of white foam so that I could wrap all his presents in this white stuff. And then I bought a hat and I dressed it all up like a snowman. People would probably be doing that for their seven-year-olds, but you actually did it for your husband. I did. <laughs> I lied But then there's, you know, then you worry because it's, it's all so beautiful wrapped you know it's inevitably going to be a disappointment when you get to what's inside <laughs> but that's the thing that's no actually I think that's the whole thing I think you know it's all in the wrapping so you know my brother is just he is the fabulous gay uncle who buys everybody the most amazing presents he puts so much care and attention Ooh, into I've got to get gifts. on the list but the wrapping is like you know Santa star elf has been at his wow. best work and actually for me you know just seeing his present it always makes my presents look a bit tawdry but seeing his gifts yeah. arrive they just look so brilliant so actually I sometimes I, th- I find it really hard to buy presents for people mainly because the whole of my husband's side of the family completely bar humbug about the whole thing and thinks a big consumerist monstrosity <laughs> <laughs> So they kind of put a bit of a dampener on it, yeah. whereas um, my family have always fully embraced <laughs> the, um, the present buying thing. I I get lots of messages from people sort of panicked about what to buy for oh, presents. Oh, good. I'll join that list. And what I've found works for me over the years is just start with something small. You know, there's always that panic that someone's got everything or they won't like what you've bought, or particularly when it comes to people who love interiors, because it can be terrifying, you know, what will they allow into their beautifully curated Mm. house? So I will quite often start with one thing and then build it up. So it might be, uh, last year I put on the blog and actually Kate was telling me she'd followed me on that one. It was a set of Uh, martini glasses which I said could double up as posh pudding bowls as well and then she bought the ingredients for espresso martinis and did that so you build up the present so you might start with somebody who loves coffee buy them well you could these days buy them a subscription to a coffee company but you could buy them some coffee beans then you could buy them a really nice stelton coffee pot for example which is a danish design is that the one to go for is it that's the one to go for and then you could buy them a really nice mug now i think a really good present can be a great mug and a great matching tea towel, which is a nice little present. Not, not that washing up is a joy, but it's two mm. things that go together. And actually, tea towels these days can be so beautiful, you can even frame them. Lots of people do. So you build it out from there. Someone who loves makeup, buy them a really nice makeup bag and then buy them some stuff to put in it and then maybe a scarf to go around oh, the buying, edges. Buying makeup so you're for someone's building, tricky though, isn't it? Well, that might be tricky, but you could get them a mascara or a nice hand cream or something. But in that instance, it's about the bag you're putting it in. So you build the present out from something small and actually I quite often do it room by room now so you think about a room you know if someone likes to be in the kitchen then yes start with a wooden spoon and a really nice Le Creuset apron and it's a bit more curated it's yeah uh, and it's a collection of small things which often can be easier than panicking about buying one big thing Mm. where the pressure is on them to like it or not like it I remember years ago my husband bought me this Christmas present and I unwrapped it. It was a sort of small square box and I thought, oh, this is very exciting. Then I unwrapped it and I saw it said Armani and I was 
equally panic-stricken because I was thinking, this is something really expensive that I'm going to have to wear for the rest of my life and I might not like it. And uh, I opened it and it was from Emporio Armani and it was a watch and I loved it and I burst into tears and I may now be revealing this for the first time. There were tears of absolute relief. I think he thought I was overcome with emotion at the wonderful joyfulness of his present. And actually I was thinking, oh, thank God for that. I like it. I can wear it. Um, so there is, you know, big presents bring a pressure with bring them. Bring a pressure, And actually yeah. smaller things, you know, a hat and a scarf and a fun pair of wellies and a book. I always love a book with any present. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, I mean, I don't want to be, be myself come over a bit bar humbug, but there is an element of waste around Christmas that I think we're all getting a little bit switched on to, aren't we? Absolutely. Uh, The world doesn't need more plastic, throwaway, breakable stuff. We don't need any more singing fish that we (laughs) hang on the walls or, I don't know, popcorn makers that just sit on the back of their kitchen cupboards and cause clutter. So I think being a little bit more discerning on what we buy rather than doing that panic buying isn't just important for our own wallets, but it's actually actually just kind of really important. But even you can... That's a totally valid point, which just sends me spinning off into the popcorn maker. Rather than buying someone a popcorn maker, why don't you buy them a voucher for cinema tickets and a bag of popcorn? Yeah. And, you know, a really nice, yeah, what do they call it? A voucher a yeah, bit. A is cup a good idea. that you could keep forever to take to the cinema to put your drink in yeah. rather than a disposable cup so that you're, you know, And it looks better under the tree way. than a little tiny envelope. Yeah, <laughs> just a bit, a bit, have a bit more fun with it. Um, I recently did some work with Etsy, you know, the online sort of designer makers yeah. platform. And that just really highlighted a thing to me as well about thinking about how we can use our Christmas spend rather than, I mean, obviously, you know, I love our British high street, but actually supporting some of the smaller artists and designers around this time of year because our investment in them makes a massive difference. Yeah, I think that's a really good idea. Look, but it's sort of shop local, shop independent and buy little things like that. Isn't there that lovely saying that every time you buy something from an independent shop, somebody does a little happy dance? (laughs) Yeah, I love the thought of that. (laughs) Yeah, me too. I think that's really good. Yeah, really good to remember that. And what I love about buying direct from designer makers is quite often as well, you're getting a really lovely quality product. So you're kind of cutting out the middleman. All the money goes to the supplier. Totally. So quite often buying a really lovely one-off limited edition piece is just as affordable as if you'd gone to the high street. Um, and you're actually giving somebody something that's really personal and one-off and unique. And isn't that all about what good gift buying is all about? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. And what about Christmas decorations? Because I (laughs) bet you are all over the tinsel, aren't you? Oh, I do love a bit of tinsel. Because for me, you know, decorating my house for Christmas, it's all about the nostalgia and a little bit of tinsel. I mean, that's my childhood right there. And I tell you the other thing why I love tinsel. Smell of it. Tinsel is the smell of Christmas. I've never smelt tinsel. Oh my God, that lovely kind of plasticky. It's just a very particular plasticky smell. And also real tree. That's why it has to be a real tree for me because it's that smell, 
you know, pine needles in the house, getting all over the carpet. I mean, that's me. But then you can't have it too soon because the needles will drop and it all looks a bit sad. My Christmas tree has to go on Boxing Day. What? Oh, I can't have it. You dress the tree on Boxing Day? No, no, it has to go. It has to leave on Boxing Day. I don't like to have it in much before about the 20th of December. Sorry, Kate, just rewind. So on Boxing Day, you were throwing out your Christmas tree. Well, I might leave it until the 27th. But you see, again, it comes back to the anticipation. You get up on Boxing Day and it's in invariably started to wilt a bit. What, in two days? In the presence of you God. You need to put it in a... I find that very depressing, so it has to go. I want a new start. See, I feel... So you literally very... have your tree for like two days? Well, you know, maybe it's about a week. 20, 20th till about the 26th oh or 7th, see, but not long. I love having my tree in my house because it signifies the holidays. Also love the fact that I think Christmas trees are so eccentric. You know, we're putting like a living tree in the corner of our living yes, room. Yes, that's true. That, that I enjoy. It's completely bonkers. I mean, you've got yes. to love the Victorians they were completely nuts weren't they and then we cover it in all this glitter and tinsel and sparkly lights I just love the whole eccentricity of it I mean my tip from a stylist point of view is more and more and more fairy lights just keep on layering the lights stuff them in you know nice and deep amongst all the branches so you don't see all those whippy kind of flexes everywhere and then my sort of childhood memory was my mum always got us making Christmas decorations yes and that's um, a tradition that I love to carry on with Arthur, get him, you know, every year he makes a few more and we keep them and every year they come out. I love that idea of collecting decorations and I will do that too by one or two new ones every year because obviously my teenage boys are now not going to be making them <laughs> um, and begging me not to put their old things from nursery on the tree anymore either. The Christmas tree becomes actually a, a thing of memories. Yes, a memory uh, tree. Which I love, it? yes, rather than this year we're going blue and silver. Yeah, um, no, I sign up for that too and also I do think it's a bit vulgar to completely throw out one set of decorations and buy a whole new layer. I mean, it's just so wasteful. So I think, yeah, Christmas is a time for nostalgia looking back and not all about glossy, brassy newness, I would argue. And what's your favourite tipple at Christmas? I don't I don't go in for all this Christmas tipple stuff. No? No, I don't change it. Everybody's don't like, like oh, December, cr- Baileys. No. no, just keep me topped up with a, <laughs> with a glass of red. You just keep me gently pickling along with that and I'll be fine. <laughs> oh, I think it's a good time of year to experiment. What did I try last year? I do year? like a mince pie though. It's like a blood orange Negroni or something I did last year. Oh, but you see, I like oh, that all year good. round. Why am I only allowed to drink that in December? <laughs> <laughs> Is, do we have do you to... do the turkey? Do you do the turkey? No. Um, yeah, no, we do. I don't. I'm not having Brussels sprouts though. So you're not like pure traditionalist. No. Although um, Brussels sprouts with chestnuts. Actually, do you is know what? Good. I quite like a Brussels sprout. Actually, they just have to be done quite al dente, so they're not mushy. Well, yes. I, I mean, you know, like my aunt. My aunt is capable of ringing up in November and saying, "Who's coming? I need to know how many potatoes to do." <laughs> and you think, "Please don't start cooking them just yet." <laughs> But she might. I've been sent loads of design crimes, weird and wonderful though they've been. But this one really jumped out at me. This is from a story of home who got in touch on Instagram. Design crime for me is office vertical blinds at home. Yuck! Exclamation mark. What do you make of that? So these are those sort of um, blinds that are like fat ribbons of fabric that hang vertically across the window. And typically you see them a lot in big office spaces, but they can be quite a popular (laughs) 
home furnishing option as well. I think really mainly because they act a bit like a net curtain um, because you have them always drawn and you can see out, but people can't really see in. You can tilt the blades to control the light. So they're very practical, but they're not incredibly aesthetic. Views, Kate, what do you think? Well, I'm going to disagree with you and her, sorry, because I know two people who both live in 1960s houses and actually they work brilliantly in there because they kind of fit with the period. You know, people always need privacy. If you live in a city, you know, you live in the middle of a field. Um, so, <laughs> you know, literally. If, literally, if someone's looking through your window, I think you've got bigger problems. Than- <laughs> Yes, big problem. (laughs) You've got a bigger problem. Um, But for those of us that live in cities, there's that perennial problem as to what do you do for privacy because people now don't like net curtains and I can understand that. They don't necessarily want those window films because you can't see out as much as people not being able to see in. So those blinds, I think they do work quite well on 60s houses with those big picture windows. But I also had a client who had some and they were actually made from vertical strips of cream linen. But because they weren't made from that sort of more officey plastic. They can look a bit plasticky, can't they? Yeah, they looked really cool. I thought it was a really interesting idea. And also, she could, she was thinking about dyeing them a different colour to go with the new colour on the wall. Or you could also do a kind of ombre effect and have them dark at one end going paler to the other. So I think it's not necessarily a design crime. I wouldn't put them in a Victorian house. Okay, so that's the big thing, isn't it? Because, I mean, another area where I've seen them used quite effectively is these big bifold doors that everybody sticks on the back of the house. And then they can't have curtains or blinds because there isn't the space to hang them and you don't want loads of blind cords dangling down and ruining your view. So they can be really practical for that, stop the heat searing in in the middle of the day. And again, architecturally, they kind of go with that very clean, modern Modern, shape window, but they look bizarre in period I think I wouldn't put them in a Victorian house on a bay window, sitting room window, because that isn't quite in keeping. You need to find a different way of privacy. So that's where people have sort of plantation shutters and Venetian blinds in those kind of settings, don't they? I'm less keen on those. Um, So what would you do in your classic Victorian bay where you don't want anyone to look in and you don't like Venetians and you don't like plantation shutters and vertical blinds aren't right and nets are naff and window film doesn't let you see out? (laughs) The solution is... I'm going to tell you what... Oh, I can't wait. Honestly, you've got me at the edge of my seat. (laughs) I'm going to tell you what I've done, which isn't right for everybody necessarily, but we have some quite thin blinds from Ikea. They're roller blinds. Um, And they're not completely see-through, but we have fixed them because we have sash windows to the sash. So they're fixed halfway up the window window. because they're rollers, they're quite thin. So if we were to roller them up, you wouldn't really notice them. But we have them pulled down all the time so no one can see in. And we have the natural light coming in at the top half of the window, which you've got to be pretty tall to see over. So it feels quite private, but it allows the light in. And you can also, I think in my son's room, Hillary's blinds made some blinds that pull up from the bottom. Oh, so, yeah, and lots that, of flex and there are other... There are other makes that yeah. do them. And they sort of stick, I don't know, cleverly, at a point where you want them to stop. So that's what I would do. So there we have it. Vertical office blinds in the home, not necessarily to Room 101 of Design Crimes, but you're only allowed to use them in contemporary or 60s style. I think interiors. that's fair. So have you got one for me? 
Well, mine's, mine might be a bit of a, a niche Instagram design crime, but I see it a lot on Instagram and it really upsets me is shelves of colour-coordinated books where you see them arranged by colour. So it's all the red books going into all the So all the, the spines have been colour-coded. Yes. I find that so upsetting. That is on my Instagram feed, you know. I have I, done that. Why? <laughs> Well, I, do, I do you know why it really upsets me? Because I love books. Anybody who's seen my house on Instagram knows I have a, a room full of books, which sounds very pretentious to call it a library, but it is a room full of it's books. It's like a big library wall, isn't it? It on is. One end. Yeah. And I take great joy in the fact that they have all just been shoved on the shelves. So you get my husband's very intellectual law books next to my Jilly Cooper books. He finds that quite upsetting. Um, but I like that. I like the idea that you could run your finger along a shelf of books and be attracted by a spine or a title and pull it out and read it. But why does colour coding them stop you because doing that? Because it feels to me more contrived and it feels that you've used the book as a design tool and not as a book, a repository of stories. I, I just, it upsets me. So I, it's really um, essentially all about what books do you have and why do you have them? And for you, books are for reading. Yes. You see, for me, I've got a big collection of books, but they're pretty much all design books. I'm more of a flicker than a reader. <laughs> I like looking at the pretty pictures. And they're all my design books. They're not my Jilly Coopers. And it was just about creating a pleasing display in the corner of my living room. And it looked quite cool. And it just, it was just an area, because for me, my books are also something to display, not just to read. I think, that, yes, and hence the coffee table book. And I do have, for want of a better word, a curated small stack of coffee table books on my coffee table. I think for me, it's about paperbacks. And I just, I want that to be about the story within the pages, not a design tool. It's See, for, once, so opposite. for once I'm going substance over style and I often don't. <laughs> but in that instance, when it comes to books, I am. And I, I just want the book to be there for the story it tells and not just because it's got a pretty cover. Well, enough of that. Anyway, maybe that's a series that's come to a natural end. Um, let's move on to the next subject. Um, and this week in our room planning, we're going to talk about the guest bedroom, which might be a room that sees a bit more traffic at this time of year as well. Yes, and, and timely. I am currently doing up my guest bedroom. Yeah, let's Just hear. hoping to get it ready in time for people arriving in, in less than a month's time. I absolutely love guest bedrooms they're up there with the downstairs loo of as one of my favorite rooms to design really because my argument is you can absolutely go for it so all that bold wallpaper crazy artwork mad pattern rugs you know whatever it is that really makes your heart quicken and you're like oh, oh that's rather fabulous but oh actually the safe side of you goes oh, I couldn't really live with it all the time stick it in the guest bedroom that's so interesting because I think it's very nature means it's quite often the last room to be decorated or a room that is never decorated or a room that is just made but actually, suddenly, someone's coming to stay and you need to do something about it. And what a great idea. Really have fun with it. Oh, yeah, no, completely. And it's where, you know, for example, I'm doing this really fabulously pink patterned paper in my guest room. Of course Which my husband really objects to, but he's like, oh, it's in going in the guest bedroom. So I can get away with all the stuff that he won't let me do in the rest of the house. I'll tell you another thing, which is maybe a bit naughty. But I also think that the guest bedroom shouldn't be too relaxing, peaceful and lovely. Like, yeah, I want people to come and stay for a couple of nights, no more. So don't get too cosy, right? Well, you know what they say, you know. don't they? Guests and fish. 
should only be around for two days because after that they both start to go off a bit. I think it's absolutely true. Yeah. So don't make your, you know, make your guest bedroom so, fabulous. But, you know, if their wallpaper's doing their head in after 48 hours, then, well, that's fine. Another big tip is don't choke the room up with lots of unnecessary furniture. So for me, no wardrobes. Um, peg rails are a really nice idea. So I think that's a great hang idea. clothing. Everyone's All always got a around. jacket or a yeah. dress they want to hang out, quite frankly. Nobody unpacks their suitcase anyway, do they, for a long weekend? The other key thing, I think, to make about that room, it very often has to multitask. So look at the furniture. What you want, ideally, is furniture that will do more than one job so that if you imagine it on a sort of time-lapse camera, you're sitting there with papers all over the sofa working at a desk, which perhaps happens to have a mirror hanging above it, but you're working away. And then, you know, the bell goes, the guest is at the door and you can sort of throw all the work stuff into the drawer of the table, put a you know, a mirror on it and turn it into a dressing table and flip the sofa out into a bed and you've completely changed the function of that room. So you need to look at furniture like that, which, which yeah, can that's, turn. Yeah, that's genius, isn't it? Because yeah. you're right, with space being so premium, quite often we need these rooms to multifunction. You can get yeah. those bed desks as well, I think they're called, which yes. are quite extravagant contraptions that are a desk and then in some kind of like crazy James Bond world, they like flip around with levers and then become a double bed. Oh, I think they're probably very expensive. They're but about you two can, grand, I Yeah, think. you can get sofa beds at all price points mm. and a console table can be quite a good idea because it can be wide enough for a laptop to work on it can then double up as a dressing table if it's got a drawer you can put the work stuff in it and then perhaps if and when you move house it might go in a hall as a console table so it's a piece of furniture that to it's actually come back versatile. to the renting at the beginning of the program versatile furniture that you can take from place to place and can multitask and be used for many different jobs yeah we've got a vintage um, brass bed in our guest bedroom because it's very hard yeah. But that's for a reason. I actually stash a load of little single mattresses underneath it for when the kids have big, oh, we oh, don't have quite big idea. sleepovers. Yeah. So um, we use it for that. But even just storage, quite often we need to store stuff, don't we? Yeah. So beds with storage is brilliant. So I feel like I've already painted quite a negative picture about how I don't really want my guests to stay. I do. <laughs> and I think there's some little styling tips to make the room feel really special and make people feel welcome even if it is just for a weekend and then I want them to leave um you know there's a few things we can do so for example I just think really lovely crisp bed linen like dress the bed with a bit of yes. love and TLC just don't put your sort of secondhand crumpled slightly musty smelling bed linen on there I think you know even a bit of linen water why not you know take that can care. be fun and also I don't know about you um but leftover hotel samples those well, little shampoos you put all your scented candles in there too, put all you? my <laughs> scented candles in the set in there but also uh just a, a bowl full of uh hotel samples so you've oh, got nice enough shampoo idea. for two days or soap and people don't have to bring it and i read actually about something called a granny box which i thought was a brilliant idea where you could have you know a nighty a dressing gown a pair of slippers oh hold on um well no the point is for more elderly relative perhaps so they don't have to carry it they don't have to bring all that stuff because you've got that a few things I thought thoughtful. that was a clever idea so I once had a pair of slippers which I didn't want to wear and they're in the granny box so that when my mother comes to stay so smelly old slippers you don't want smelly your old slippers. Have them. I haven't worn them um, but <laughs> okay. a dressing gown and just things to save on packing that you can have there just in a little box and then you can unpack them and it makes it feel nicer that is sweet 
Yeah, that's really sweet. I'll probably draw the line with chocolates on the pillow and a bowl of fruit. Yes, I'm not but... going that far. <laughs> Uh, you can bring your own chocolates. <laughs> if you bring the chocolates, I promise to put one on the pillow every night for you. How about that? <laughs> and then, you know, going forward, I think, you know, some magazines and books I always shove in there. Even maybe just a little vase of fresh flowers. It's just such a nice welcome. I've thought of you. I've made this room look and feel nice for you. Yeah. But you're only allowed to be in it for two days because yeah. then I want my house back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's basically all we've got time for. But before we go, lots of you have asked if we could do a sort of cut out and keep quick summary of the key points at the end. And obviously your wish is our command. So here we go. Sophie, hit us with your top five takeouts. So top five takeouts from the rental section. Uh, don't forget Haru tape as a great way to add pattern and colour to your walls and hang art using command strips. Then on to Christmas. Think about building up your gifts from something really small and get lots and lots and lots of fairy lights on that Christmas tree. And then finally, guest bedrooms. Think multifunctional furniture that allows you to the, use the room in more than one way and consider having hooks for your guests to hang their clothes on instead of lots of bulky, empty pieces of furniture. And just because we really care, we'll also put that summary on the blog so you can read about it and find links to places to get hold of things as well. So you will find Sophie at sophierobinson.co.uk and obviously I'm at madaboutthehouse.com. Next time, we'll be discussing how to create a beautiful hallway, the exciting crop of new design books and that million dollar question, is expensive paint worth the money? I'm really looking forward to that one. Finally, just before we go, another big thank you to DFS for sponsoring this podcast. And um, we couldn't do any of this without you, Kate Taylor. So thank you so much for producing us and hosting us in your home today. And thank you so much to all of you out there for tuning in and listening. And we'll see you in the great indoors. Bye. Bye.